So what, when you're saying 18 summers, what does that mean? Why do you say 18 summers? Well, that was the same way. It, I just passed it along. I passed it to you and it hit you the same way it hit me, Aaron. I had a mentor. It was actually a speaking coach who I was preparing some of my first family talks. And, uh, and he said, man, this is so important what you're doing. And he was fit as a fiddle in his 70s, um, you know, speaking hall of fame. And he said, you know, my daughters are still my daughters, Jim. But they're grown now. He's like, do those first 18 summers right. Got to make the most of those first 18 summers. They'll keep coming back for more. You'll never regret it. And uh, and for me, it was like a it, it was like a, an elevation and a punch to the gut. Because for me, at that time, and now we have five kids ranging from one to 20. You know, but I had my two adopted sons, and they were seven and five. And when you start to do that math equation, Aaron, I'm like, holy shit, wait, 11 summers? That's all I have left. That's all I have left till, you know, they fly the coop. And, you know, there was a study done that the average person will spend 85% of the quality time they ever have with their children by the end of the 18th summer. And that makes sense. I mean, when, when you look at the time you're spending with your oldest daughter to your, to your youngest child is very different now because they're in different stages of life. Um, and so that hit me. And it was a positive motivation and I can be on stage still and share that. And you see the math equation going on in people's heads. Oh my gosh, I only have three summers left. And, and what I feel is, you know, and people argue and say, oh, there's more than 18 summers. Great. But I'm telling you, you do the first 18 right, they'll come back for more. There's a stronger camaraderie. It's a positive math equation. And so we changed the name of our company uh, to 18 summers because it had such an impact. And I always want people doing that math equation. Um, because uh, even after the 18th summer, you're like, I did it right. So the question is this, how do most agents succeed in today's competitive real estate market when all the successful agents are keeping the secrets to themselves? So that's the question. And this podcast will give you the answer. I interview agents from all over the world. I ask them their tactics and they share all of their secrets with me so we can give them to the world. I'm Aaron Amuchastegui and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Hey, Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. I want to just do a pre-introduction to the podcast interview that you're about to hear where I interview Jim Shields. You know, Jim and I talk about a lot of things on there, but I want to make sure you stay till the end because we talk about life stuff. We talk about his new book that he has. We talk about concepts on how I, I've raised my family and how he's raised his. But at the end, he gets into some really deep predictions too about the real estate market. So I, so the, I just want you guys to know there's so many different pieces and so many different parts to the interview. That I think it's definitely worth staying till the end. Even if in the middle, you're like, well, I don't have kids. They're talking about being parents in this section. I promise the whole podcast is a value for you. So tune in. I hope you guys love this episode and reach out to me later and let me know what you thought. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Amuchastegui. We have a really unique interview uh, for you today. I get to interview a guy that I'm happy to call my friend. His name is Jim Shields. He is, you know, he's, he's been a real estate entrepreneur uh, for a long time. We were part of the same kind of entrepreneurial masterminds. But what Jim is more known for in my world was he was the author of a book called The Family Board Meeting. And, you know, as one of my longest intros ever, I just want to say like, so back in like 2016, the, I was at an event in Philadelphia at Mike McCarthy's backyard. And it was my first time traveling with my family. 
my first time with this idea that like maybe my family could like travel with me when I go on these work trips and maybe education was a little bit different in the world. Maybe there were other options for like education and things like that. Maybe the way that we were always told life was supposed to be wasn't there. And I had read uh, Jim's book, which I thought was great that we're going to get into. Um, plus, you know, Jim, you and your wife, I don't know if you remember, you introduced us to the education matrix. Yeah. And it was this, you know, it was an, it was a concept about life's lessons and how we're prepared for life. And the, and, and, you know, I, first I just want to say like, you know, where are you calling in from today? And, you know, what, what's life been like for, for the last year or so? And then I've got some questions I want to get started on. Yeah, we're, we're call. I'm here in Costa Rica. We bought a house in Costa Rica a few years ago. Uh, you know, it's always at a special place in our heart. My wife and I got married here. We've had lots of adventures. And uh, and it's really important to me, Aaron. I know we've had side conversations to have. Yeah, I'm a real estate investor, a real estate entrepreneur. But how am I doing it? If, if I got to be locked away in a small office with no contact with my family, not keeping the adventure going, not being able to have conversations like this, I don't want to do it. Uh, so we're we're spending about three to four months out of the year working and playing from Costa Rica, um, and uh, and you know and then others in St. Augustine, Florida. But things have been good. Like you said, there's no perfect family, there's no perfect business, nor do I think it's supposed to be like that. But man, I count my blessings, and I'm I'm very happy with where I can look back from we met ten years ago to today. Yeah, yeah, life by design. You're living that life by design, you know, you're experiencing, you know, life the, the way that you want to. And it's in this way, if you've had a, you've had a level of success, but then figuring out what are you going to do with that success and figuring out what's important. You know, a long time ago, you shared a story with me about, um, you know, real estate right now, some people are struggling in their real estate business. Things are different. And you shared a story about how you had this really, really rough time kind of in your business. And you had to call some friends together and like that kind of came up with even the concept behind the, the education matrix and the stuff that we need to learn in life, you know? So just, would you tell some of that story and kind of that idea and that concept of what do you mean of the stuff we need to learn in life type stuff? Yeah. I, you know, there's, there's, when I, I started to figure out this matrix of education, I, I said, what we're, giving our kids is not what's preparing them for the practical affairs of life. So I started to interview guys like us and people like us who are entrepreneurs, things they had gone through, the tough times they had gone through. And I, I found we didn't have, we didn't have the tools or the, um, or the know-how to get through hard times. And that's very important. And one of the seven hard times that we'll go through is financial crisis. I've been through it. You've been through it. And let me tell you, in 2007, 2008, I, I scraped the grounds of bankruptcy. I was that close, you know, heavily invested in California and Florida. Um, it was a scary time. And uh, it was one of the biggest lessons I know what you're talking about, where I had to pick up the phone in the middle of the night and call um, a few of my friends in Australia that have been real estate friends and mentors of mine. They happened to be in Australia. We we're all surfers, educators. And I had to say, I've painted myself in a corner. I have no idea how to get out, you know? And so then we had like this emergency mastermind and put together a plan to see our way through 08 where a lot of people fell. And uh, it was a very humbling thing, Aaron, because I was, I was very good at offering for help, which I find for a lot of 
real estate entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs in general. Oh, let me help you. Let me help you. But then we're, we have too much pride or even too much ego to say, man, I've, I've screwed up. I need help. Like, I don't know what to do here. And, uh, and I found that asking for help, uh, especially on a sensitive subject like family, asking for help is not a sign of weakness, it's a sign of strength. Because every time that I've had the humility to ask for help along the way for big things personally or professionally, and asking the right people, of course, is important, I've come out at a higher, better level. And so, uh, so I'd like to say over the last decade, since you and I have been friends, my humility has gotten pretty thick <laughs> a lot thicker than it used to be. And I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. The, that, that idea and that concept of going like, like we, like a lot of us, a lot of successful people and a lot of listeners are successful people and everyone's done in their own right. But it is really hard to reach out and tell somebody to like, look at a situation because sometimes situations are bad. And sometimes they're, but like, sometimes it's bad. Like, oh, I'm making less money than I made last year. Or sometimes it's like, you know, but head in the sand bad where we're like, you know, like hope is not a strategy. I remember a time when I was getting put out of business in 2012, 2013, when Blackstone was buying up all the houses. And I was thinking, well, that house will close next month. Or maybe one of these houses will close next month. Or like when that house closes next month, it'll still sell for that and I'll get the profit. And, And hope was my only strategy. I wasn't actually able i didn't ask for help until it was like okay i'm out of money and i lost it all and now what do i do and so there's this big part of life of success being able to reach out to people and go hey i am in trouble i remember telling one of my buddies i was broke at the time and he was like what like he was he couldn't imagine that i had lost it all and lost everything even from the way that it looked and in you know and being able to say hey i need help is like the first way that we can start getting help And I remember this little exercise you asked us to do where you said, you know, what is the toughest challenge that you've gone through in your life? What's the toughest thing you ever had to overcome in your life? And we could all think of something or multiple things, right? It was usually like when you're thinking like the toughest challenge I had to overcome, life is full of them. And so people have a lot of them. You're like, well, it might have been this one or it might have been this one or it might have been this one. And so listeners, I'd ask you guys the same thing. It's an old old Jim Shields trick. And... You know, so as you're thinking about that thing, you say, you know, what skills did it take to get through that? And how did school prepare you for that? And it was this mind blowing thing and where you came up with your education matrix of some of those skills that you really need. I remember one of the things was like healthy risk taking is one of the skills that we need to have in our life. You know, that we're part of your matrix that we aren't taught that in school, healthy risk taking, but that's our whole, my whole life is healthy risk taking. You know, and like one of the biggest things, so like the stuff that we really need to learn in life, we got to learn from others. We got to learn from other places. It's not going to really be in that school environment. And I know that's not what your family board meeting stuff is about, but it was one of the things that I, as I first started got to hear you talking, I was like, this guy knows what he's talking about and he's focused on the stuff that I want to be a part of. So, so tell us, so what is the family board meeting? And what, what is that concept and how did it come, where did it come from? The family board meeting is a simple rhythm. It is, you know, I don't like the word habit as much, Aaron, as you know, you can have a bad drinking habit, a habit of screaming in public. Habits are, 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 don't seem as intentional. So I've always loved the word rhythm. It's a, you know, musical element. So it's a rhythm in my life. That means it, you know, the drum keeps the beat. And this is a powerful rhythm that I started doing with my, you know, adopted sons who are now past their 18 summers, 
you know, 12 years ago. And uh, this simple rhythm changed our family dynamic for the better. And it was something I did. Look, a lot of the times, why do we, why do we teach or end up, end up teaching something? Is that a necessity? You know, if Aaron Amistegi had had perfect real estate experience and this and that, you wouldn't be able to teach this podcast really, or run this podcast or know the questions to ask. And, and I started this simple rhythm, this strategy out of necessity. Here I was, you know, coming out of 08, near bankruptcy, you know, and I made my beautiful now wife, who you, who you know, and, you know, we hit it off famously right away. But, but and along with her, I got the, these two bonuses. She was divorced with full custody, these beautiful little boys. Um, but they had trust issues. And here I am running two businesses, stepping into instant fatherhood, and, uh, and I didn't want to mess it up. And I was terrified I was going to. And I'd seen it happen so many times before. Uh, and so this rhythm I just created out of, uh, out of necessity. Uh, and, and how do I do something simple but consistent that might bridge any disconnection I have with these two boys? And within a year, you know, you know the story. It, it was, it was mind-blowing. You know, I couldn't believe it. And I started to share it very uncomfortably because this is, I mean, I wasn't a family therapist. I'm not a psychologist. I was an entrepreneur thrown into family life willingly, but nervously. And uh, this rhythm, as I started to share it, as you know, very emotionally, <laughs> I've cried in front of some big audiences, which was not a North Jersey guy thing to do. And uh, it sucked, to be honest, but I'm glad I got the message out. You know, and now this rhythm, thanks to mutual friends of ours, has gone worldwide and we estimate there's about 300,000 families using it. And, uh, and it's a great way to make sure that you have a relationship with each of your children. Hey listeners, Aaron here. I just want to tell you about something I'm super, super excited about. You know, a couple months ago, I had a bunch of people in my office in Austin and I taught what I called my foreclosure masterclass. It was to teach investors how to make money with the stressed real estate investing through foreclosures and other sorts of leads that are out there of people that are desperate to sell or need to sell and maybe they don't even know it yet and that process. Well, we had so much fun when people, everyone came to the office. So many people said they wanted to do it again. I recorded the class. It's now live and available for purchase. So if you're interested in learning about becoming an investor and learning about becoming an investor agent, being able to educate yourself uh, some more around foreclosures, about distressed real estate and how to get those, go to the foreclosuremasterclass.com, the foreclosuremasterclass.com. All right, back to the podcast. Yeah. And, and, and like, what are the kind of, so the, the rules behind the family board meeting or like the rules or the guidelines or some yeah. of the ideas. Yeah. Let's you know, talk. So I mean, like, this is so what do you tell easy. people to do? They're going to take their kid, go do a board meeting. What, what, what's yeah, the advice so a you board give meeting is just a play on words. You know, for all of you out there, you might have your own uh, team, you know, quarterly board meeting every quarter, right? And what's a quarterly board meeting about for your real estate team or your business? Well, you get together and you review the last 90 days, reunite the team and look ahead to the next 90 days. And I thought, man, I need to do this with my kids. So I started saying every quarter, I'm going to spend at least a half day with you. And there's only going to be three guiding principles. There's only three guiding principles. So once a quarter, at least four hours, so half a day. And uh, you got to be one-on-one, intermittent tech fasting and fun activities with focus reflection. And I can break into each one of those, but that is the peanut butter and jelly of a deeper relationship with your children. Now, this has been tested with thousands and thousands of people, but these principles are bigger than me and you, um, and they work. 
Uh, and and it's it's just shocking to me. But it shouldn't be that shocking. We're all entrepreneurs. There's a lot of good information out there. There's a lot of good therapy. There's a lot of good medication. There's a time and a place for that. But the results I got with my family, and I'll share some of that, got it through none of them. Sometimes it's that closeness or that attention they want from their father or their mother. And these three principles that I just named, I can go deeper, they uncover that. They put the magnifying glass on the relationship in a positive way that's undeniable. And now it's been tested so many times, it's it's just fact. Yeah. You know, the getting to hear the concepts of it, the idea of, you know, once a quarter, setting out a time with the kids so they're looking forward to it. And like the not doing screen time when they're doing it and you get to see that value and then that gets to be a habit that you can use with anyone at different times, whether it's your kids or whether it's business. I know when I'm talking to somebody and I'm checking my phone, right? Like, oh, I just need to check this really quick. I know they instantly feel less valuable, you know, in my mind. They feel less important, like I'm not paying attention. So we know, and it happens. Like I'm at lunch, an important thing, and then my fun, I go, just a second, I just need to make sure it's this. But then I feel horrible afterwards. I know like the whole conversation changes. The mood changes when you're able to do like that one-on-one. And we've turned, um, you know, that practice into a, a whole bunch of different concepts and versions of like, you know, one-on-one family trips and like where my wife will take one of the kids somewhere for a few days and I'll take one of the kids together for a few days and like try to expand on it. The concept that you taught us about separating the parts to strengthen the whole, so this idea of like, so what they're like, why don't you do a board meeting? Can I do a board meeting with all three of my kids at the same time? Can I do one at all? Can my wife and I both be there? And the idea is really no, right? It's like separating yeah. the parts. It's that one-on-one -on -one time for those relationships. Is that a question you get a lot from people? Well, yeah. Or, Hey, that's going to really affect the home life. That's going it, to like, it's going to have a negative impact. There's some sort of fear of saying, oh, if you don't include everyone, well, then it's it's not gonna it's not gonna work. You know, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna distance the family. You're gonna cause dissension. Man, nothing can be further from the truth. I mean, you've worked with it now for a decade, and you see. I mean, every one of your children is different, and you want yeah. that. And and each relationship will be a little different in how you communicate with them. And look, there, there's every. You know, there's sometimes you'll get around the dinner table, right? And you'll say, how was your day? There might be three of your kids that are quiet. There's always the one who will like grab the mic and go, I'll take this. Let me tell you. And, you know, there's <laughs> might be one who's more outgoing, one who's not. You know, your children, because Aaron's on the road, might be leaning more towards Kaylina, you know, and not towards you. This one-on-one -on -one time is the magnifying glass approach to that relationship. And when a child feels like they have that individual relationship, it, it is a strengthening mechanism that really cannot be discounted. It's always so fascinating to ask them like, you know, where do you, and sometimes with the, and with the girls, a lot of times with, with my three daughters, we call it like our, you know, for, it'll be dates, right? Like daddy daughter yeah. dates or our board meetings with the same rules. Right. Yeah, and it doesn't like matter when, what when, you call it. doesn't matter. Right. What you when call Kalina's it. taking. It's yeah. When clean is taking Brax, it's one, you know, but as they get older, it's like figuring out these different versions of what it is, but it's really funny to see these personalities when you give, especially I've got a big family. When you give family members and kids the opportunity to be separated from everybody else, the different answers of like, Hey, where do you want to go for your date next month? You know, the answers are so different from the kids of like bowling to like spa day to like, you know, ex extreme experience. They're all, all, all of my kids are so different and we yeah. get to learn that so much more every time we come back to you from one of our one-in-one -one trips, 
right? The, you know, Kalina comes back with Charlotte after one of the one-on-one trips and she feels like she learned so much about her because there's, because as families are big too, there's like certain kids that get along with certain parents better. There's like these natural things that happen and the board meeting concept is great. And I think, and it applies, I mean, so much in, so much in the family, whereas that kind of more important focus of like, why are we even successful at other things? But I think it also helps with these life skills of dealing with people in general, you know, yeah. and, and success uh, in general with it. Well, I know that, you know, you, you work better when you feel stronger at home. I have more fuel in the tank. You know, every time that I take a half day with, with each of my children, I don't leave there going, oh shit, why did, why did I take that time? I'm so busy. It's like, man, I'm so glad I did that. And I feel better focused, you know, more, more intentional, better equipped, you know, more confident. Um, and that's not only in my personal life, but in my professional life. You know, it's, it's, it's like I've sharpened the saw on a part that might otherwise get, you know, bulldozed over. And, uh, and, and I, I know that taking this time away from work without apology and without interruption has been really good for my business as well. Yeah. What's next for like the family board meeting brand? You know, I know we've had a We've had a wild few years in real estate where I have some of my projects that are like my most favorite. They got kind of put on the back burner because it was like, yes, this is my favorite, but right now we've got this 18 month once in a lifetime opportunity. And I've been through enough cycles to know when it's time to like drop everything to take advantage of the cycle. Cause once every 10 years and then, you know, so, and right now I'm actually reflecting back on what's important. And I think maybe you're having some of the same timing stuff of going, okay, we just had like that fun run. Now I'm going to focus on the thing that's the most important because you know, this, the financial success helps us do this other part, but what's next for the family board meeting now? What are you, what are your plans over, you know, the next couple of years with it, whether it's books or events or, or, um, you know, what you guys are working on and most excited about. Yeah, we just, we just updated, believe it or not, the third edition of the family board meeting, adding more case studies, you know, really gearing down on those principles. Again, the one-on-one -on -one principle, how to use intermittent tech fasting in your life, you know, experiential education, everything of these board meetings and also rhythm around marriage, which my wife and I call date night with a question, which we've gotten to teach to yeah. a bunch of entrepreneur groups now. And it's having a great effect because, you know, as we saw this, we were like, okay, Aaron, we're kind of, you know, just giving one part of a really, we're leaving something important out, which, you know, when you and Kalina are strong, the family feels it when you're not, they feel it. And yep. so Jamie and I shared this simple but powerful rhythm in our marriage, which we added in. So the book launched actually, thank you. Uh, I know you were supportive this week and we went to number one in Barnes and Nobles, three categories in Amazon. And I, 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 that's super exciting, but our goal is we're at 300,000 families. We want to get to 2 million families, 2 million families using it. You know, if the average kid has a family has three children. We're, we're talking 6 million uh, people more like that would be an exciting number to know that they're having intentional quality time with their families and what, what will that produce? So that's been a big part of our life. And as you know, we've always done our own education and retreats. I stopped doing the retreats for about five years because I was doing real estate. And honestly, you know, with five children there, and I wanted to spend time with them. Um, but my mm -hmm. two oldest boys who are now almost 18 and almost 20, when they were five and seven, you know, and they asked me to adopt them, that's when I started to do those family retreats. And they have gone back and they said, those five years of retreats that you did made such a difference in our life. Thank you. 
Well, now our younger generation, my younger kids, well, they just turned six and eight. And I'm feeling that pressure to say, not only for other people out there, but for myself, we're going to start doing our retreats again here in Costa Rica because getting together with entrepreneur families, like the first day you and I met 10 years ago, is an absolute game changer. It is, mm -hmm. it, there is a different functionality, there's a different uncovering, there's a different focus and awareness. And what comes out of those has made me a better father, a better husband, uh, and, and improved the life of my children, which when all said and done, that is such an important goal of, of me and my wife, you and your wife. Uh, so that's where we're looking. We're gonna spread the 18 Summers message deeper and uh, our book and also be opening up our retreats again uh, for, for families. Hey guys, a quick commercial break here, but don't worry, this one is only gonna run for the next two or three episodes. I talk so much about the mastermind. It's one of my passions, getting everybody to come hang out in Austin where I get to meet you guys. Well, we just had it you know, a few weeks ago and we decided for next year we were gonna do pre-sales. We're only selling 70 tickets total for the whole country and that way we keep it nice and small where everybody meets everybody and the end of it, it's like a big giant family. Well, we put out the pre-sales last week and in the during the pre-sales we sold more than 60 tickets. So there's less than 10 spots left. 10 spots left if you wanna join us for the mastermind for next year. We're putting the date so far out there, you've got no excuses um, to be able to know that the date works. You can put it in your calendar now. And we also set up a payment plan for people to break it up into four easy payments. So if you're one of those people that have thought about going to the mastermind, have never pulled the trigger, now's the time. And it's for, it's for March for next year. But you gotta go sign up now if you want that spot. I don't like selling, I don't like advertising. So we figured we would knock it out quickly. We'd knock it out you know, this first couple weeks in April for next year. So instead of working on that, we're gonna focus on value. If you do join the mastermind, you get to be a, uh, join part of our private Facebook group where we do monthly Zoom calls, where we do tactics on those calls. They're really small. There's like, you know, between 10 and 20 people on those. So you get to ask lots of questions and learn from experts. So if you are interested in signing up, go to realestaterockstarsnetwork.com forward slash mastermind, realestaterockstarsnetwork.com forward slash mastermind. Go lock in your ticket. We have less than 10 spots left. You can break it up into four payments. So that way it is much easier to, to be sure to join. And I promise you, it is the least expensive mastermind out there for the type of stuff that we're doing. You know, the GoBundance masterminds that I talk about that I'm a part of cost five times what we do for this. And I try to deliver twice as much value. All right, back to the podcast. Yeah. So the, and the book just released this week. And as you're saying, when this podcast comes out, we we're, we're rushing this thing out to delivery just so we can kind of build on that momentum that you've had, right. As already the bestseller in Barnes and Noble. Like I, I'm an author, I have a couple books and I know, and, and at different times when we've launched, you've already hit these levels that we weren't able to hit. Where's the place that people should go find uh, your book right now? Amazon would be the best. They can always go to 18summers.com too um, to see what else we have going on. But it's available on Amazon and now on Barnes & Nobles, which was exciting uh, to do. But uh, Amazon would be fine to, to find it for sure. And yeah. we also and it'll, I mean, the important thing is getting up to that Two million people, and the um, you know, and I'm and I'm looking forward to you know reading the rest of the new one as you get to, to add in stuff. It's always fun to get the reminder of of the concepts before, but then life also changes, and then figuring out like how does this apply? You know, what else do we know as the kids get older? Because we have all these new experiences now, both of us do. So you you said eighteen summers a couple times, but you haven't got to t tell our readers what that means to you, what that concept is. 
Um, yeah, and the first yeah. time you told it to us, it changed our life. And so I'll share, yeah. share that part for after, but like, so what, when you're saying 18 summers, what does that mean? Why do you say 18 summers? Well, that was it's the same way. It, I just passed it along. I passed it to you and it hit you the same way it hit me, Aaron. I had a mentor. It was actually a speaking coach who I was preparing some of my first family talks. And, uh, and he said, man, this is so important what you're doing. He, he was fit as a fiddle in his seventies. Um, you know, speaking hall of fame. And he said, you know, my daughters are still my daughters, Jim, but they're grown now. He's like, do those first 18 summers, right? You got to make the most of those first 18 summers. They'll keep coming back for more. They'll never regret it. And, uh, and for me, it was like a, it, it was like a an elevation and a punch to the gut. Cause for me at that time, and now we have five kids ranging from one to 20, you know, but I had my two adopted sons and they were seven and five. And when you start to do that math equation, Aaron, I'm like, holy shit, wait, 11 summers. That's all I have left. That's all I have left till, you know, they fly the coop. And, you know, there was a study done that the average person will spend 85% of the quality time they ever have with their children by the end of the 18th summer. And that makes sense. I mean, when, when you look at the time you're spending with your oldest daughter to your, to your youngest child is very different now because they're in different stages of life. Um, and so that hit me. And it was a positive motivation. And I can be on stage still and share that. And you see the math equation going on in people's heads. Oh my gosh, I only have three summers left. And, and what I feel is, you know, and people argue and say, oh, there's more than 18 summers. Great. But I'm telling you, you do the first 18 right, they'll come back for more. There's a stronger camaraderie. It's a positive math equation. And so we changed the name of our company uh, to 18 Summers because it had such an impact. And I always want people doing that math equation. Um, because, uh, even after the 18th summer, you're like, I did it right. And uh, there's no guarantee, but I can see now with my two oldest, they're coming back for more. They still like to hang out with us, which is one of the biggest compliments. I think we all want as parents. That's the hope, right? We want them to, to, we want them to not need us, but want us. We want them to come back because they want to hang out with us. We want to prepare their, prepare them for life where they don't need us anymore. Right, that yep. we have set them up in a place where they can survive without us, without our help. So they don't need us, but they actually want us. They want to call and check in, or they want to come be a part of those trips because it's fun uh, instead. And like, what a uh, you know, with with how tough life is and how crazy life is, just in general, with economies and things like that, and the people that are out there. You think about like what a dramatic impact the world can have. You know, if parents are treating kids like this, if friends are treating friends like this, you know, as, as we try to go out and make a change, I think the change that you're making uh, in the world is fantastic. So, and we heard, I remember the first time I heard that 18 summers, we started doing the math and my kids were young. And now I get to say, all right, we've got three summers left with Maddie, right? My yeah. oldest and the, yep. you know, and Brax is seven. And yeah, in theory, we have a lot more than that because that's the goal. But the, I know that I saw my parents a lot less after I turned 18 than I did. You know, I saw them fewer times from the time I was 18 to now than I saw them in my 17th and 18th year, you yeah. know? And so we took it even more extreme from like the concept because the summer concept is going like, hey, you're, you know, during the year, most kids are going to school. You've got these things. You're going to create all those family experiences at spring break or during the summer. And we were starting to question school at the time. And then at the same time, we were like questioning, questioning school and the education system. And my dad had just died and we were putting this value on like life is short. And we heard that 18 summers concept. And we were like, you know what? We need to, we got 18 years with these kids before they want to do 
more and we, how many years do we have left? So that was part of like, hey, we're going to pull them out of school. We're going to start teaching them the things that we think they need to learn about life. We're going to teach them the math. That's where our five-hour school week book came from was that idea that we're going to we're going to teach well, them in five hours a week. But the selfish trade-off was so we could go travel the world with them and have all these experiences with them while they were too young to say no. Because it was that same thing of the 18 summers that hit us, and it was just like life is short, time is limited. And right now, this year, this last year, um, uh, three of them are actually going to an Acton right now, which was, wasn't really planned. But at the, end of, at the beginning of September, when Maddie and Kalina were still up in Arkansas at the treatment center, and summer was over, so I didn't have babysitters and summer camps to help get me through the year. September 1st was hitting, and I'm like, I've shut down a couple of my businesses, but I can't also homeschool and do this while my wife's out there. And so, so they, but they've had this really awesome experience at this local, you know, school that they're going to, three out of the four. And it's, it's just funny to know, like, life also changes. Right. So like it part of like we have 18 summers or we have 18 years or we pulled our kids out of school and did that while they were excited about it. Because now if I told them I was going to pull them out of the school they're in, they'd say, no, they love it. They're having so much fun yeah. with their friends. So kids change and seasons change and you've got to live life while you can. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the beauty about when, like when you look at homeschooling or what we call road school, you know, and we still do a combo. What I love is people are like, oh, if you homeschool, it's like going into the mob. Like you're in, like you're kissing the ring and you can never go back. You can't use both. And that is complete nonsense. Like you just said, hey, for their time, you're doing it. Now we're in the Acton and I know Acton or other Montessori and Waldorf schools we're in, they'll encourage that. So our two youngest, um, they're in it right now. They're in a Waldorf school that we helped found in St. Augustine, but they allow us to travel. And so we can still take adventures and do that. Like, so it's not... Gosh, I have to homeschool or not. Our two oldest boys, they said, no, we don't want to go to high school. We want to homeschool so that we can go on the adventure. So we give the choice, but you can use both at the same time. Um, and and that's the, the most beautiful thing I know. You're going, hey, it worked for a while. Now we're in acting. It might go something different in a few years. But it's not like all or nothing. And that's that's the beauty about choosing the path of education. I think what most people have to do, Aaron, is get clear on you know the Seth Godin question. What is school for? You know, once I got clear on what school was for, you know, forming relationships, I think is important. Friendships, of course, people go the friendships, the friendships. Yeah, but that's important. You can form them in school. You can form a mastermind groups that you and I have met with, with our families. Uh, but for us, for Jamie and I, we got really cool, uh, clear on, for us, educations. What is school for? It's to uncover our kids' gifts and talents and how to put them to use and to prepare them for the practical affairs of life. And when I started to really, when we got clear on that definition, it was easier to say no to school or easier to design our own to say, hey, we're going to put our kids in your school, but once in a while we're going to travel and pull them out. You can give them home assignments or we'll like share the adventure and they'll come back and do a, a report on it. You know, we, we fit it to what, not, not much just what Jamie and I enjoyed, but also what we felt would serve our kids the best. Uh, so I think that's something you and Colleen have gotten really clear on is what is school for? And that's why it's not like you're saying, oh, gosh, if I went, if I, if I stopped homeschooling, then we're, we're selling out on our values. No, you found an acted that supports your values. And right now, that's what the kids want, the camaraderie. But I think you guys have gotten really clear on your definition, you know, reading five-hour uh, school week. And I think that's what you have to go with. As long as you're staying with why, which you guys are, then you can use both, and which is beautiful. Yeah. It's a... Uh... 
It's the cool thing about this should give people the freedom to try different things. It's because you can always yeah. go back. You can always change again. There's no life is life is short, but life is long. So if we make mistakes, we got plenty of time to come back and fix it a lot of the time. But yeah. life is short in the sense that don't put something off that's important to you because the, there are some times, you know, when COVID hit, that was that big reminder. We were so glad that the prior five years we spent traveling the world like every month, because all of a sudden we couldn't do it at all for a year. And we found ourselves sad, but we also found ourselves grateful for all the places we did go thinking like, and at that time wondering, would it ever be the same? Would we ever be able to do any of yeah. that stuff again? I'm just, I want to switch gears a little bit, the, to jump into, you know, some of your real estate stuff and kind of like real estate predictions and things like that. So just quickly talk about your real estate journey, what you, how you, what, how you first got into real estate. Yeah, what you've been doing like the last five or 10 years and then like what you're focused on now. Yeah, so I got into real estate 24 years ago. I started buying, fixing and reselling HUD foreclosures in Bakersfield, California. Um, you know, it was, you know, in a little podunk market. I lived in Santa Barbara. The median price of a home was 900,000. Median price of a home in Bakersfield, two hours inland was 91,000. Literally one less zero. Um, that's where I, you know, kind of learned the, the, in the trenches of, of foreclosures, renovations and, and rentals or resales. Left for the California uh, in 05 and went to Florida, survived 08, went into bulk foreclosures again. And then about nine years ago, I mean, you remember all the foreclosures and stuff were drying up, they were getting bit up. And my now building partner and I said, hey, what if we built our own properties? Uh, so we started with an experiment on building about you know $3 million worth of, of new homes in, in Jacksonville, Florida. And, uh, and fast forward to last year, we, we did $180 million in new construction properties for our build-to-rent program. So my niche right now, Aaron, is I build rental portfolios for investors in high-growth markets in Florida. Single-family duplexes and quads with management in place. Um, and it's been a great fundamental shift. I hung up my rehab shoes. You know, you and I did lots of rehab chats together. I hung up the shoes about six years ago, and I don't have any plans on going back at this time. I like the new construction. We have it figured out. And we're serving a big market need, especially in Florida, where it's growing. Uh, so that's what occupies my time. And, yeah, I've done a little bit with RV resorts and, you know, my own vacation rentals. But my main core business is build to rent, building long-term rentals for investors and myself in Florida. Hey, real estate rock stars. We only have a few minutes left in this episode, but before we get to the grand finale, I just want to say, as always, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. You know, podcasts are obviously free. You don't have to pay to listen to the podcast, but if you could pay one thing, if I could charge you one thing to listen to this podcast, what I would ask you to do is go, please make a review. Go to wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's on YouTube or on Apple or Android, wherever you listen to podcasts, and go give me a review of the podcast. I read them. I listen to them. I try to make adjustments. You know, a couple of years ago, I had a ton of bad reviews on the sound quality or the number of advertisements, things like that. And I've really tried to dial in to add value for all of you guys. So please, please, please go do a review. If you want to get a, a copy of the toolbox of the stuff that you know everybody that comes on the show, they give us some tactics. They give us something that we put in what we call our toolbox. And so to get that, you go to realestaterockstarsnetwork.com. When you get there, click on the, the toolbox and you get access to the free gift that every person that we interview on the episode 
provides. There's things like, you know, uh, listing tactics, how to do a presentation, you know, how to do a newsletter, all sorts of cool, fun stuff. And if you want to talk to me, go find me on Instagram at Aaron Amuchastegui. Ask me a question. I talk to so many of you guys on there. All right, back to the show. Thanks again for being a listener. Yeah. When you sell those, do you sell them to individual investors? Like you've got a community of 50 houses and you sell them to 50 different people that want to own rentals or do you sell them in big pools? We do both. So we do um, infill lots in established neighborhoods where we like a lot of home ownership. We'll buy up all the infill lots in an area and build and then we'll sell it to individual investors or we work with some of the bigger institutions and fund groups. Um, and then, yeah, we'll build whole communities and then we'll sell them to either individuals or sometimes a, a fund or an institution will buy us out of the whole thing. Yeah. You know, we've been, you know, last in 2021, we bought, we bought a lot of communities. We weren't building them, but we bought a lot of them. I was a builder back in 05 in Santa Barbara. Right. And then wow. 09 when everything crashed is when I started buying the foreclosures up in Sacramento and, and we saw all sorts of things. So I haven't been, we haven't really been building new construction again, but we, but we started buying up neighborhoods back in, in 2021. And, and, and that bet turned out pretty good along with some of the other, you know, rentals. It's cool to see that shift that you, that you made and then figuring out like where to sell them and how to sell them. I just saw, uh, the toll brothers CEO just did like a six minute interview. And he talked about that traditionally 10 to 15% of the sales are new homes and the rest are resales. But because of the low interest rates of people not moving, the, that right now um, it was something like 33% of the sales nationwide are new construction. And that's yeah. why I mean, everyone's been talking about inventory, but that's the highest it's ever been. The highest percentage of actual sales is like 33% is new home stuff and so you know agents that are that are that are listening and trying to think about like strategies and, and what's happening i think there's there's gonna be so much business that kind of happens with that so now you know and cap rates have changed but florida's been going really strong what are your predictions on like i guess on on real estate in general on values advice you would give people that are you know investing in in, in the u.s or thinking about it or or just just anything any prediction advice related stuff I'm 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 a very localized believer, Aaron. I think, yeah, naturally in the wintertime, the U.S. itself is colder. In the summertime, it's hotter. But I think with real estate, it does get more localized. Um, and so you want to look at your local market, the fundamentals that are happening there. You know, is the area overbuilt or is it underbuilt? Where are the, you know, population migrations going to? Uh, I can tell you we were in Georgia for a while um, and we're out of Georgia now. We're just, going deeper into Florida, mainly because we see a much higher growth pattern there and also the landlord laws. So I think what people have yeah. to look for is growth patterns and landlord laws. I have I have seen a, a holy cow shift in whether you can collect rents or not state by state. And that's not a political statement, that's a business statement. So get clear on where you can collect rents if you're going to be a landlord, if you're gonna own property. So from what I'm seeing for Florida, uh, of course, I'm the barber telling you you need a haircut because I'm in Florida yep. and I build in Florida. But I, I do believe we have room to grow. And the reason why is because I'm a big person who follows the affordability index. So, you know, our, our hub market, Jackson, the, well, the median value is still about three uh, 297000 just under 300000 you know, with a median income of about 62000 You know, you go to some of our people coming out of Salt Lake City or Boise, Idaho, for example, 
Well, their median income is about the exact same, but their buy-in price median is about two hundred fifty to $270,000 higher. Um, so that tells me when I look at things like that, where our investors are coming from, what kind of rental returns we're getting on new construction. You know, we're not going to get you what you got five years ago, but we're still seeing five to seven caps, you know, on a single family home to a quad. That's still solid numbers that uh, are needed. And, and we're still feeling a push on our on our population. You know, we're we were behind about in certain of our key markets behind three years on needed inventory for rentals before the pandemic even started. So I do believe that we have a few more years of growth and big picture wise by people a lot smarter than me. Uh, I think hang on Aaron by you know 2030. So we're talking out quite a few years, we're gonna see a pretty significant crash. Um, that's what I think it's really gonna hit. I think we're seeing some softening in different areas, but from what I'm seeing and reading, I think there's gonna be a, a huge crash 2029, 2030. Yeah. Well, some great predictions, man, and just a, a really fun conversation. And how crazy is it that you're in Costa Rica and I'm here and we and we finally get to catch up. And before we hit record, we got to catch up on some family stuff of, of what, you know, the, the challenges and the triumphs that our families have had over the last year as we get to focus on the triumphs and the gratitude. But but again, I, I with the family board meeting stuff, with the stuff that you're launching right now, I just think that what you're doing with the world is fantastic. And I think that it's amazing that real estate has been that avenue that you, people are, people ask me like, why haven't I retired or why am I not retiring or why am I still going when I have this many rentals or this much? And the reality is, is because the next thing is like the goal of changing the world. You know, the more, the more, the more successful you are in one sense, the more influence you are in another, but you're not yeah. waiting around. You're trying to influence and change the world now. And, and I love that. And I love seeing it. So the, so, you know, so listeners, as Jim Shet said, the family board meeting is the book. You can get it on Amazon. You get it from Barnes and Noble, get it from wherever you want. The, uh, I've read the older versions of it. I'm going to buy to read, uh, the new one. I think it is, it's fascinating stuff. Jim, if somebody wants to reach out to you because they want to get you on a podcast or because they have questions about what you're doing, or they want to buy, you know, build to rent rentals out in Florida, what's the best way they can find you? Yeah. Um, again, you can look at 18summers.com or if you want to learn more about uh, our real estate, you can look up southernimpressionhomes.com. That's our build to rent company in Florida. So uh, happy to do that. Do a lot of podcast interviews, really enjoy conversations like this. And you can reach out to me too at jim at 18summers.com and, and we'll be able to get some interviews scheduled for anyone who wants us. Cool. So great, man. Jim, thanks again for coming on today, sharing your message with our listeners. I think it brings a lot of value to their lives. Thanks, Aaron. Always good talking with you, bud. And real estate rock stars, thanks for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>